Inside, inside out. Welcome back to Bizarre Podcast, Dogs Must Die. My name is Grant, you can call him Chip, and we are talking about episodes 12 and 13 of the anime adaptation, JoJo's Bizarre Adventure, Diamond is Unbreakable. So last time we we chopped a two-parter in half, which worked out pretty okay for Koichi's thing. Maybe not so much for this one. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, it's every, everyone uh, where we left them. Uh, Chili Pepper is... Uh, racing to the the docks where uh, Joseph Joestar is arriving soon, old man mm-hmm. Joseph, and everyone else is uh, trying to defend Joseph. They, they're also at the pier now. Yes, uh, our first shot is of the ship uh, sailing ahead, and, and uh, Jotaro says that the old man's ship is right on schedule. And as the camera pulls out, we see that we're not actually looking at the ship. We're looking at the reflection of the ship in Star Platinum's super precise eyeballs. Yeah, at first i thought they were binoculars but no no it's just our platinum's eyeballs <laughs> if you gave star platinum binoculars he could see the voyager probe exiting the solar system <laughs> yeah everyone is devising a plan on how to best defend mm-hmm. joseph uh they've got they've got a little boat nearby a little speedboat their plans do not involve like calling on a cell phone or waving semaphore <laughs> flags, somehow telling the the ship captain ambush awaits you. You'd think the Speedwagon Foundation at this point would have like a really complex system to for every like possible stand attack. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I just want to know after D- Dio was defeated and all that business was put down. Did they not deal with any other stand users until now? There's got to be like just random stragglers, right? Uh, j- just have echoes like write some sort of giant warning on mm. the side of the giant lighthouse on the end of this pier. Oh yeah, I wonder how big and loud of a sound effect echoes can make. <laughs> Is there a limit there? <laughs> big enough to collapse the lighthouse on the end of the pier. Oh god, Okuyasu and. Josuke are checking out the speedboat. They have determined that Chili Pepper is not hiding anywhere within the electronics of this boat or the battery mm-hmm, or anything mm-hmm. like that. And so one of them is going to drive out to the boat. And it's only going to be Okuyasu. He's going to be like last line of defense on the boat with Joseph. Well, no, he's going with Jotaro. Oh, right. This going... is Jotaro's uh, right. uh, plan because he is afraid that, you know, Chili Pepper is going to find some way to get on the boat before them. Right. That's uh, right. The, the most fiendish plan of all, just a car battery in a trebuchet, just like fling it. <laughs> yeah. Josuke really wants to go. He, he uh, like, this is his fight. He's the hero. He's got to go take it to him. But, but Jotaro's like, no, you stay. Yeah. You got to find the user. We, uh, uh, me, and your your big brutish friend are going to go on the boat because we're like short range punchy guys. We're going to go to the confined space. Mm-hmm. the The smarty team is going to do the investigation here on land. Yeah. So it, it's just getting Koichi staying on the on the dock here uh, because Jotaro believes that Chili Pepper isn't going to hitch a ride on uh, the speedboat or anything. He just thinks. Well, he's probably going to a toy shop to buy an RC plane, and he'll just ride out the plane over to the ship. I bet Okiasu would fly remote-controlled planes. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like, he flies them, but he sucks at doing them, so he's constantly crashing and breaking them, which is great. To, <laughs> which means it's great to have Josuke as a friend. Yeah, absolutely. He <laughs> saves so much money these days. Yeah. So, yeah, the, the team splits up, and we see uh, a speed wagon guy talking to 
Joseph. This is the first time we actually get to hear him talk in part four. Yes. And same voice actor. His hand and his memory are equally creaky. Yeah. He asks for, for where his cane is, and like his robot hand is just making real like rusty, chunky, squeaky, squeaky noises. Mm-hmm. His speed wagon attendant is like, uh, sir, your your cane is like in your hand. It's, yeah. It's like right there. Yeah. Like from the very first scene, it's it's clear that Joseph is getting a little senile now. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, he still looks but- pretty huge for an old man. Yes. He's just hunched over. His eyes are still bright behind his tiny little glasses. <laughs> yeah. His li- teeny tiny glasses. But the rest of his face has like sagged and fallen. And yeah. yeah. And he's, I believe he's 79 now, which... He is 79 years old. Which tells me that uh, he just stopped practicing Hamon the instant Dio was done with. Because <laughs> Straitso looked great into his, like what... Well, he was a vampire. That's the... It was a hint. Well, okay, yeah. I mean, he did get younger when he became a vampire, but he still looked fairly young for his age even before he became a vampire at the start of part two. Either way, yeah, we we cut back to the dock, and hey, Chili Pepper's user is here. He just walks out right in front of everybody, not hiding at all. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And he's uh, dumb. He uh he's very grumpy that his plane plan was sussed out. <laughs> yeah. So his look, his look it basically what if hair rockers looked cool? Yeah. He's got like the full like spandex bodysuit underneath a formal jacket, both of which are are covered in X and O studs. Yeah. And he, he's got uh, metal cuff uh, uh, decorations, I guess. On one side is AC, the other DC, because <laughs> he's both into 80s rock and electricity, you ah, see. I see. Yeah, long purple hair. So he just has a guitar with him, and he establishes yeah. that he always has this guitar with him, this electric guitar. An electric guitar with a cable that I don't know where it's going. <laughs> It just disappears under, you know, the, his coat and no, never comes out anywhere. Mm. I, I guess he's got like a, a portable amp tucked to his belt. He doesn't have a belt. It's a fucking spandex bodysuit. <laughs> I wish he just plugged it into his stand. <laughs> his stand would be his amp. <laughs> so yeah, he, he comes out. He interrupts uh, Josuke feeling his feelings, you know. Mm-hmm. His decision to like put aside his parentage and just treat Joseph as any other person in need of protection and compassion. N- not going to let it be personal so he can keep his head in the game. And then, ah, I'm the stand user. Yeah, he he appear, he is immediately shredding. Half the scenes he's in this episode, he's shredding. And he brings out his toy uh, uh, remote control plane. It is a Spitfire. Uh, of course, the pride of the RAF in World War II, mm-hmm. an appropriate plane to kill Joseph Joestar with. <laughs> <laughs> I I didn't even think about what make and model that plane was. And his name is Akira Otoishi. He is right. 19 years old, and he is holding a G major chord, if I remember my middle school lessons correctly. Yes, I, b- I believe that's right. <laughs> so this guy, he's pretty confident that he can kill both Josuke and Koichi, in about three minutes because he establishes like 
this guy's a dumbass, but he does know the general top speed of the speedboat, of the mm-hmm. ship Joseph is on, and the speed mm-hmm. of his RC plane, and that if he can kill these two guys in three minutes, he will have enough time to overtake the speedboat Jotaro and Okuyasu are, are on and kill Joseph before anyone else can get to him. And so he spends that entire three minutes talking about how he <laughs> idolizes Jimi Hendrix, who is now experiencing his first JoJo reference, I think? I think so. And Jeff Beck, who, of course, is the namesake is the namesake for Wired Beck. Mm-hmm. So uh, welcome back to the program. Oh, Wired Beck, my, my favorite. And, <laughs> and all of his rock star dreams that, that he's going to achieve once people stop trying to, to uh, nab him for all these murders he's doing to protect his dreams. <laughs> it's a bit of a circular thing here. I feel like there is some way this could have never happened, and that is <laughs> never killing people with your stand. So if I'm reading this in 1993 and I see this guy with his whole thing coming out, I have to think that either this is Araki predicting that grunge's influence is going to be pretty short-lived. <laughs> yeah. Or maybe making a point that this dude is, like, as a character, supposed to be really out of shit, out of step and deluded. Mm, yeah. Because I've experienced JoJo mainly through the anime. I always forget, like what era it was actually being written in and how <laughs> that might be ch- influencing some of these musical references. So Akira sometimes, like he is standing right next to his stand, but sometimes yeah. he just decides to speak through chili pepper rather than himself, just through <laughs> with his mouth, which is pretty funny. You know, he's so confident in being able to take out these two guys. He'll be able to do it with only his pinky. Mm-hmm. And so right as akira is just like okay it's time to fucking fight josuke puts up his hand goes like whoa whoa whoa, hold up let's not fight yet if you're gonna use only your pinky then i am gonna impose a rule as well and this pisses akira off so he like throws his pick at josuke which he dodges and as Mm -hmm. he's like hey this is bullshit (laughs) deadly piece of vinyl (laughs) (laughs) yeah and Akira's just like, hey, this is fucking bullshit. I'm not going to listen to any of your shit. I, I don't have to listen to any of your rules. And as he's rambling out about this, he's holding his pinky out the whole time. And so Josuke mm-hmm. just walks over there, not even using his stand, and just decks this dude's pinky so it just like twists around three times. That's the pinky on his fret hand. He needs yeah. that. He, he fucks that pinky up so hard. And so Josuke's just like, well, you said you're going to use only your pinky, and I fucked it up. So now, now what? But Akira has a plan for this. He he summons all of his anger and his rage in order to, f- through force of will, bend <laughs> his pinky back into shape to slam out some power cords. <laughs> yeah. And he starts doing like a, a, a hammer on technique that is subtitled as guitar tapping in all ta- in all caps. <laughs> yeah. Guitar tapping is definitely a throwback in in the year 1993. It is not in vogue. Yeah. And while he while Akira is doing this this guitar tapping, like every time he starts shredding, the background fades out like a fog machine kicks in and there are stage lights clearly above him mm-hmm. and sometimes you hear mm-hmm. crowds cheering. He he's just shredding, he's going nuts. There's like he's sweat is flying off him as he's like flailing around doing this and both josuke and koichi just stand there and they just go like whoa cool <laughs> it's chili pepper's secondary ability he just doesn't use it for crimes yeah and so after he he does this whole shredding thing he's like back in action 
He's mm-hmm, fine. Mm-hmm. His pinky's good to go. And so this really sets up uh, uh, Akira here as a sort of fitting uh, chapter boss, I guess, for the first third. Because yeah. he, while Josuke heals others through compassion, he heals himself, something Josuke cannot do, mm-hmm. by indulging his rage. While mm-hmm. he's also a double for Okiyasu through their shared history, shall we say. <laughs> Yeah. And, you know, he's very sound-based. He he is an audio character. So there we have his, his match with Koichi. Oh, man. I was re-watching these episodes this morning because I've been so busy with, with work. And so a lot of this stuff passed right over me. So I'm going to say, <laughs> whoa. <laughs> <laughs> so this is the first fight, I think, in quite a while where we're actually just seeing two stands, like, punch each other. <laughs> Yeah. And not yeah. and not just once so that the punch can do something else. It's just like here are two humanoid-ish stands just punching each other in the face and stuff. Like there's mm-hmm, there's more to mm-hmm. it, but it's the first time we've seen just like a normal ass fist fight kind of. They rush at each other. It's time for a straight up stand brawl. Again, the the, the likes of which is rather unusual in, in these parts. Mm-hmm. Uh and so Koichi Krillin's hardcore. Oh my god, he's so krill in this episode. Especially uh uh when Josuke just goes in for a punch and sees that uh somehow uh, uh, Akira and Chili Pepper wound up behind him, and he's trying to figure out how they move so fast, and it doesn't make any sense. Yeah. This isn't his ability, and, and uh, Koichi has to explain, you turned around. Yeah. You're, <laughs> you're, you're facing the ocean now. Y- you moved, not them. <laughs> <laughs> the God, I haven't seen it in JoJo yet, but I wonder if there's ever going to be, like, with, with Koichi just being Krillin, I'm just mm-hmm. like in this fight, I was expecting, you know, the like the DBZ style thing of someone gets punched super hard or or hurt real bad. And there's a ton of smoke. And then when the smoke clears 20 seconds later, oh, he's not there and he's behind you. And, yeah, <laughs> I'm just hoping that this doesn't mean Koichi dies and then becomes a cop. <laughs> God, yeah, he can marry a robot. I will allow that. He'll meet another stand like, um. Oh, why well, can't remember his name from part three, the genie wish granting one. <laughs> yeah, and he wishes for a robot lady. Yeah, he wishes for a lady much taller than him to fall in love with him. Yeah. <laughs> he doesn't need to wish. It already happened. I guess it already happened, but you know, maybe one that's less crazy and, and willing to murder over love. But yeah, it's uh on the, the dock where they're they're fighting here, you know, it's just tiles of big concrete slabs making up this dock and kind of where each one intersects each one the the corners of each tile touch there are these tiny little um grates and Mm -hmm. underneath all these grates is a ton of power cables to the the whole facility and and yada yada and so chili pepper is hooked up to a huge amount of electricity which is making him absurdly fast and powerful and is able to just pop in and out of, of hidden obscurity to take pot shots. Basically, yeah. uh, the, the next stage of the fight is Crazy Diamond getting wrecked at violent whack-a-mole. <laughs> yeah, and even Koichi says, this is like whack-a-mole! I, I, I put it in my notes before you said it. Fuck you, kid. Shut up. Get out of here. <laughs> so yeah, the reason why uh, Josuke just like turned around and it made it look like Akira had teleported was just, yeah, Chili Pepper just popped out 
from a grate right by Josuke's feet and just grabbed them and just <laughs> spun him around really fast. And yeah, is just coming up behind him to the side unpredictably with, with a, a great speed, just taking sucker punches and then disappearing over and over again before uh, Crazy Diamond has the time to, to react and, and intercept. Yeah. And so now we learn that this entire encounter has taken one minute. All the introductions, yes. all the posturing, all the punching. One of the biggest examples of JoJo time. <laughs> I think I've said it before, but there are some fights where it's like, oh man, I almost want to go back and like make a edit of this where all of the monologuing is taken out. So it's just the fight in real time and see how long that actually takes. <laughs> With this one, I think it would still be well over a minute oh, yes. just because of all the shredding. Now that we've had uh, an example of uh, Jojo fight time, it's time for Jojo serious time. Mm. And uh, uh, Josuke calls out to Koichi, we're about to win this. And by now, you should know what I'm thinking. <laughs> because much like the spaghetti, uh, uh, Crazy Diamond <laughs> has been punching, you know, the, the, the pavement around the asphalt. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, not in order to uh, crumble it to dust, but to reform its constituent parts. Yeah. He's turned it through his uh, repair abilities into uh, uh, a bunch of tar, which is gumming up the drains so that it, it takes a lot of time and effort for uh, uh, Chili Pepper to come up through, which is all the warning he needs in order to intercept with the big punching. The big punching. So yeah, he's telling Koichi to keep an eye out for him. Uh, Koichi points out because the you know the tar is gumming up all these these different grates, and there's one where you just see like a big air bubble beginning to form in slow motion, and so mm -hmm, just Koichi mm -hmm. points out, hey over there, and yeah, the, the big punches on that chili pepper. Which brings us to our mid episode title card. It is Chili Pepper's turn. Uh, it has really good stats, like almost the exact same as Star Platinum's. Actually, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. again, doesn't mean anything, but. <laughs> Back in the action, we, we catch up with the speedboat uh, in transit, and they are getting close to th this big yacht. Uh, th the boat's name is Traffic. Yep. Uh, named for the 70s psychedelic rock band, of course. Yeah. Of course. Which I think is only mentioned in the Japanese dub. They take it out in the English one, I believe. Yeah. Is it yeah, written on the I, boat? I forget. It is written on the it boat. Okay. You can see it not only in the episode, but this boat is in the ending credits. Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> oh right yeah it is mm -hmm, mm -hmm. as they're speeding towards the the ship uh they notice behind behind them that there's just a huge bright light source that they can see like all the way out from near the ship uh and it is chili pepper powering up akira otoishi has said something i've been waiting for of jojo villain to say so many times mm -hmm. quote i was too focused on my presentation and should have <laughs> just gone in for the kill <laughs> A lot of guys probably could have killed the JoJo's by now if they had also thought that. Dio would rule the world right now if he had just killed Polnareff instead of just fucking with him for a yeah, second. Yeah, yes, absolutely. Ah, <laughs> oh, just fucking with a guy in the stairs was his undoing. <laughs> so yeah, Akira's getting, going to serious mode as well, uh, and he's using like his ultimate technique, which is to draw out all of the power from Morio's uh, power grid, which is causing like a blackout across the entire city as he's doing this. And all of the energy is going into Chili Pepper as as he just like 
grunts and glows with a more powerful aura. It's not the show where you usually get a, a power-up sequence like this, but yeah. I'll allow it every once in a while. Yeah. And yeah, you do see uh, some shots of different areas in Moria where the power is starting to go out. Thankfully, it's daytime, so you know not as big a deal or whatever, but uh, I, I will come back to one of these shots much later on in the show, but there is a, a later character actually hanging out in the background of one of these shots. That's fun. Okay. Okay. So it is time to deliver a direct beatdown. And uh, something I appreciate about like the changing art styles mm-hmm. is uh, Josuke, I mean, pretty much all of our JoJo's have been teenagers, but much like his friend, Josuke feels more like a teen. Yeah. Like his, his like athlete's fit body rather than a, a Mr. Universe muscle hunk <laughs> body. Yeah. He doesn't look like he can take the sort of beatings all of his predecessors can. So when he gets absolutely rocked and thrown into a, a forklift that explodes on impact, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think he might be dead. Yeah. Yeah. There, there's a little bit more uh, tension with Josuke's fights compared to previous ones because it's like, even I'm though he's I'm pretty sure Jonathan could eat a forklift. I'm not worried about him. <laughs> Yeah, he could just pick up a forklift and just, like, crunch it into a little ball and throw it through a basketball hoop if they had basketball back then. So, yeah, Josuke's pretty fucked up, completely exploded a forklift he got punched into. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Chili Pepper is looming over him, getting ready to, like, deal a killing blow. But as he's going in for that, whoop, Josuke does his... Josuke's trick. Here it comes. <laughs> uh, one of the tires that got destroyed by... One of the tires of the forklift that got just like utterly annihilated is reforming around Chili Pepper and completely mm-hmm. enclosing around him. A thick rubber insulator yeah. to, to trap the electric beast. Meanwhile, Koichi, you could be just like stepping on that plane, just like smash it. Yeah. Any, any second now, buddy. Like Echoes could have just put, while Akira was distracted, like a big sound effect on the ground right where Akira was about to take his next step and just like mm-hmm. launch him into the water or something. Give him another whoosh. Just like right kaboom on the wings. Yeah. So as soon as, yeah, Chili Pepper goes inside, it blows up. I think Koichi's just too in awe of the the bigger guys fighting to realize that he can fight. He's, he's still, <laughs> he's, uh, he's still learning. But everybody is learning right now, <laughs> learning about the capabilities of uh, uh, a supercharged, uh, chili pepper because oh you you think all this rubber insulation is going to stop me no 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 i'm going to use my super sharp little grabby talon claws to shove my way out and and emerge and then oh no oh no <laughs> <laughs> yeah punching through the tire has also you know caused the the, the air in the tire to leak out and it just cat- it just rockets chili pepper still mostly submerged in the tire out into the water mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and it's salt water and so koichi's just like oh my god the salt water is a conductor and, and so yeah chili pepper starts to like dissolve and melt as he spreads out across the water yeah a- as his electric charge dissipates throughout the entire pacific ocean through this <laughs> bay the the stand itself dissolves into just gooey chunks it's gross it's gross yeah his head splits in two yeah and so they, they watch Chili Pepper dissolve, and then they look over at Akira like, oh, wait, what happened to him? And he's still holding on to his guitar, but he's kind of bent over, just frozen, and he's sizzling. He's smoking. Yeah, I guess they figure 
he is about to dissolve himself and they don't want to look at him. So they turn away because that's super gross. Mm hmm. Uh, never did learn anything about the arrow, though. Uh, hmm. Oh, well. Yeah. At, at least you have a name so you can, like, go to his house. Whatever. Yeah. Now that now that Akira is seemingly defeated, we, we go back over to the ship that Jotaro and, and Okiyasu are now on, along with Joseph. And Echoes floats over to tell Jotaro, like, hey, we beat up Akira. But Echoes is act one again? Yeah, I was gonna ask, does he have to pupate in every fight to, to be Act 2 Echoes? So, I think this was a fuck-up. Ah, uh, okay. Because I w- when I saw this, I was like, wait, later on, does do they establish that like he can switch between the different forms willingly or something like that? But no, I'm pretty sure once his stand evolves, it's just supposed to stay that way, and it can't go back. So, I think they just drew the wrong Echoes. Oops. Do you think this is like a this is like an Iraqi fuck up that got replicated uh, or like an anime fuck up? I don't know. I, I, I spent a long time since I actually read part four, so I'd have to go back and check. Anyway, it's is little bug, not not little Zock. Yeah. Uh that that shows up and is like, hey, we we kicked his ass. Alright. Uh and so yeah, everyone's relieved. Uh everyone can can rest easy, and Okiyasu is uh, standing guard in the room where we're in the cabin where Joseph is hanging out. And now we get some comedy about a hearing loss in old age. Everyone's favorite joke. Oh, yeah. Uh, Okiyasu is trying to introduce himself to a, a somewhat hard of hearing Joseph. I mean, maybe if he took the big fluffy hat off from over his ears. Yeah, so Joseph is dressed... Um, he's dressed like he's ready for a long outing like during the winter. You know, like a sweater, a big, big winter coat, gloves, scarf, big, like, warm hat with the ear flaps and everything. I think he's just cold all the time because he's old, but... So Okiyasu tries to introduce himself and say that he's a stand user, and uh, in in what is honestly a great illustration of the, the problem of matching lip flaps... Yes. Uh, the, the homophone, uh, what's that? I didn't quite hear you joke in the, the subtitles is you're a sand cruiser. And in the dub, it's you're a secondhand computer. <laughs> yeah. It's a lot more syllables. It sure is. This episode and the next we're talking about today, it's kind of impossible to tell what's real and what's Joseph fucking with people for laughs because that's exactly yeah. what he'd do. Yeah. Well, Joseph does seem senile. Within this same scene, after doing the whole hard hearing thing, he immediately, you know, he switches over to like actually being serious and asking Okiyasu, like, "Hey, has Josuke ever, you know, has he ever mentioned me? Has has mm-hmm, he said mm-hmm. anything about me?" And Okiyasu just like, "No, not really. I I haven't heard anything." Which is disappointing. Yeah, uh, he he is very let down, but he does like sort of pick himself up and rationalize. You know, it's. What could Josuke say? How, how can he talk about something he doesn't know? You know. Yeah. So, so that's that's what he tells himself. But meanwhile, who is that lurking in the background? <gasps> there is Akira Otoishi uh, in loser clothes, like dressing <laughs> like the man, not, not the the rock god he is. Yeah, this guy is a, the, is a speed wagon guy with his big uh, uh, blue scar streaking down his face. That's a pretty <laughs> yeah. cool. That's a pretty cool thing we didn't mention earlier, but he's got one. Yeah. So yeah, he he's kind of looming in the background, and we we cut back over to the dock where Koichi and and Josuke are waiting for the boat to dock, and Josuke is sitting down on like one of those little um 
pylons or whatever that you tie rope to when it, you, mm-hmm, you, mm-hmm. You, know, you tie a boat down to it. So Josuke's sitting down and Koichi's standing up next to him. And Josuke's sitting down is as tall as Koichi is standing up. <laughs> He's so little. But, but Josuke is just laying out all of his complicated and anxious feelings yeah. about this meeting, about uh, finally meeting the father he never knew he had in anything more than like a logical, you know, babies come from somewhere kind of sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, and like, is he a stranger? How am I supposed to treat him like uh, my father? Is he even in any real sense? And what does this mean for mom? And Koichi's like, damn, dog, that's heavy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. While Koichi was just being Krillin, now he's picking up a little bit of the Speedwagon uh, duties of of basically just being next to a Joe star and going like, man, the burden they carry is so heavy, dude. At least he's not weeping about this, (laughs) at least not yet. Yeah, Koichi could keep his composure together a little better than any Speedwagon ever could. They, they, they were dramatic bitches. So back on the boat, Okiyasu is is in the room with uh, Joseph and uh, uh, Chili Peppers user. He doesn't know that second part yet until another like actual speed wagon guy comes in and is like, hey, who the fuck are you? And then Akira's <laughs> like, I am a real guy. Who the fuck are you? <laughs> And, and Okiyasu is going to get Bugs Bunnied. He, he has to uh, figure out whether it is rabbit or duck season. And uh, uh, each of these two people are, are calling out the other as, you know, the, the danger, the interloper. And he doesn't know what to do. If he punches the wrong guy, uh, uh, his best friend's dad gets murdered right in front of him. And he can't deal with that right now. He's got midterms, goddammit. Yeah, and like while he's trying to decide which guy to punch as they're both pointing at each other as the, the, the other person would be the one that needs to be punched. And we know thinking through bluffs is his weak point. <laughs> yeah. It has happened before. Yeah. As he's trying to decide who to punch, we can see uh, via a, a light on the wall right behind Joseph, uh, Chili Pepper is emerging from it and he's all fucked up and he's got like... His bones are showing his stand bones. Yeah, his, we know stands have lungs. Now we know they have bones sometimes. Yeah, they're like, they're, it's like you're seeing the underlying structure of a robot. Yes. Yeah. It's all skeletal and patchwork. It's very, it, it's a gross, it's a gross stand. Yeah. But, but Okiyasu shocks everybody by doing a brain good. <laughs> he immediately leaps and punches Akira Otoishi in the jaw and lays him out. Yeah. I mean, he could have just swiped Joseph out of the way using the hand, but, mm. you know, this this is fine. This is better, actually. And, you know, teleporting an old person to several feet in one direction might jostle the organs in a bad way or something. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, Joseph is still huge, though. He could probably take it, but... So yeah, Akira gets laid out. He gets bounced off the wall. He uh, his he stand... collapses into a f- bowl of fruit. <laughs> yeah, a very a bountiful bowl of fruit. There's a lot in there. Oh, you think Speedwagon Foundation doesn't have a fruit budget? Come on, <laughs> they love this guy. It's Joseph. They love him. Yeah, it's it's that the combination of that Speedwagon oil tycoon money and that real estate money. They're swimming in it. Josuke, one third of this is all yours. <laughs> Take this peach and banana. <laughs> Probably a lot of government funding, too, honestly. <laughs> so, yeah, the, the stand dissipates again. You know, Okiyasu t- does a cool pose, and he's like, never mess with me again, you know. He defeated his brother's killer, yes. And Akira's just like, how the fuck did you know? You gotta tell me. And Okiyasu just says, I was just gonna beat the shit out of both of you. <laughs> 
I'm dumb, you see. <laughs> Best line. I love it. So everyone's safe and sound. Akira is getting arrested. Uh, and, and we see in a, mo- a moment I really like. Yeah. Yeah. Joseph is walking off the boat and he sees uh, Josuke for the first time. And it's mm-hmm. real awkward. It is important to note that his cane that, that he was so concerned with, that, that he walks with, was snapped in the fight yeah. uh, when uh, Akira got, got KO'd. Yeah. And so he, he's walking, you know, holding the, the, the halves of his cane. He takes a few more steps. He trips and almost falls, and Josuke grabs him and, and saves him from the fall. He Josuke is like never looking at or, or making any sort of eye contact with Joseph. He he just can't handle it right now. Um, he's just kind of looking off into the middle distance, and he tells Joseph like, "Well, if your cane's broken, here, just hold my hand, and you know I'll lead you to the car." Anyone, when everyone here knows he could fix the cane with a thought, and he would, yep. but he chose it. Uh, my heart, yeah, my it's heart. really good, right? And then Okiyasu makes <laughs> that same point, and Koichi's like, Shut the fuck up, man, it's about feelings. Yeah, he this is the part where he starts to speed wagon a bit because Koichi starts vibrating and shaking, he's got tears welling up, but he, he's he's just so happy, he, he's overjoyed to see that Josuke and, and Joseph might actually, you know, form a bond or something. This is especially affecting to me. <laughs> oh. The the age gap between my dad and I is a lot closer. I mean, yeah. not quite Josuke's, but you know, <laughs> closer to that than say closer to you and your dad. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and he is a disabled person. Like he uh, is no longer able to live alone. Mm-hmm. And like I, God, just the the idea that we could wind back the clock a little bit, and if I could help him walk, if he could still walk at all. Just, yeah. This was rough on me. <laughs> oh, yeah. This moment is surprisingly, like, well done. Mm-hmm. Like, the first time mm-hmm. I watched this episode, too, like, it got to me. And also, man, like, what a good, uh, like, that, th- this is one of the few things in, in JoJo that feels like it was super planned out, like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, the the way this relationship ties into, like, Josuke's stand power and him choosing not to use it. Mm-hmm. Uh, man, it's good. Oh, right. Oh. Uh, but we, ha- of course, we have a button. There's always a button, mm-hmm. uh, uh, especially on a plot important <gasps> episode like this one. Uh, so, so they're like, "Hey, you know, Chili Pepper's gone. That's good. The bow and arrow are just waiting to be collected, and we can take care of that." And then this town will be safe again. Phew. Uh, uh, says one of our JoJo's as we fade to a disembodied hand in a shower. Yeah. The, the, another woman's hand appearing to at first be resting on a tub. And then, yeah, it's... A, I mean, a, it is. It just ain't <laughs> attached to the whole rest of the lady. Yeah. Another man, uh, a man's hand who is in the shower comes and just, boop, just picks up the hand. And yeah, it's, hmm, what's going on there? Uh, but that is the end of Chili Pepper Part 2, which leads us to episode 13. We picked up something crazy. Uh, this one starts right with the OP for once. No cold open. Yep. Uh, so uh, the actual opening then is our morning radio DJ reading out a letter from languishing lonesome boy <laughs> uh, uh, complaining about being ghosted after he proposed too soon to his girlfriend. Ah, uh, shit. Anyway, Jotaro has the arrow, so uh, that, Easy that's peasy. that. 
see y'all in part five i don't know yeah they got the the bow and arrow nice and easy because it was just being stashed in akira's apartment wasn't hidden it was just in a it was just there along with millions of dollars of other shit he has made a small fortune in stand-based burglary (laughs) yeah uh and we also see a a brief flashback where uh akira is in speedwagon jail i suppose uh (laughs) or just normal jail i don't know but uh jotaro is just pointing at akira in his cell just saying like hey never fucking use your stand again or we're gonna beat the living shit out of you and akira's just like in a fetal position in the corner of the jail cell like don't beat me up please uh and that's that for akira he's done for the bow and arrow are ready to be shipped off to the Speedwagon foundation for further research mm-hmm. everyone is very trusting they, they have no <laughs> they have no hesitation about putting all their faith in in this uh, uh organization sure whatever okay you know the 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 loyalty to the JoJo's is. <laughs> I mean, it's a two way street, I guess. Yeah, I'm just imagining that the number one like rule or or uh, thing you must follow as part of the Speedwagon Foundation is to be loyal to the JoJo's. Mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. it's the the will of Speedwagon is so strong it <laughs> it pervades into every single employee. The JoJo's and the Foundation will do anything for one another, no questions asked. (laughs) Yeah. Maybe we should be asking some questions. That's all I'm saying. Maybe we should be asking some questions. Yeah. Although I am surprised. I don't know. Maybe it it is a difference in style of of writing and stuff. But I feel like if JoJo were an American or Western authored comic, Mm -hmm. at some point there would be a part in JoJo where the Speedwagon Foundation becomes the villainous organization <laughs> with too much oversight over our heroes and, yeah, and like, stuff. Robert EO is cold and dead. He's, it has been <laughs> a while. Yeah. Who is looking at these books and saying like, yeah, we can spend unlimited money on what this one family in and around <laughs> Japan does. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. But I mean, as of part five, which is as far as, as far as I've gone, the Speedwagon Foundation, they're just cool. <laughs> <laughs> They're just cool. They have Santana in a briefcase. They're not cool. They're dangerous. <laughs> God, yeah. I'm every part. I'm just waiting for Santana to bust out of that case. Hasn't happened yet, but it could. And then Abdul emerges from the void to take him down. Yes. Fuck yes. Yeah, man. I want to see this happen. So yeah, everyone is uh, going over. You know what has happened to Akira and and the bone air and all this at uh, the uh, the cafe that Koichi was at a few episodes ago. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It is the cafe. People yeah. like to hang at this cafe. Yeah, and but in a, a separate table, the next table over, all alone. Um, this is how you know uh, uh, he's not himself anymore. Joseph Joestar loves Japanese coffee. Yeah. He can't get enough. He sends his compliments to the coffee chef. Yeah, it's... Heartbreaking. Yep. And Jotaro is, is letting everyone know that, like, hey, you know, we, we took care of Akira. We've got the bone arrow. But Akira was shooting other people with the arrow to make them stand users to defend himself. So there still might be a few out there. So, you know, keep your keep your eyes peeled for any leftover stand users trying to fuck stuff up. I mean, plus all of Keicho's guys. Like, he was yeah. in- intentionally shooting awful people to, so they would have stronger <laughs> powers. Yeah. What? what? Yukiko, though. Hmm. He, he just had an inkling that she had potential. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe he just got bored one day and was just firing randomly. Like, none of these he, people, he all these missed. people keep dying. 
Yeah, yeah. You could go happen to be standing this next to some sort of like serial killer. Yeah, the the arrow ricocheted and went into her instead or something. But yeah, uh it's almost time for uh the bus to show up, so Joseph is or uh, Josuke is taking Joseph along with him basically mm-hmm, to mm-hmm. see his mom. While Koichi is very worried about, you know, their family bonds while Okiyasu wants to eat more breakfast cake. He loves cake. That's all he's <laughs> thinking about. So, so Josuke calls home, uh, which is apparently very suspicious. He he does not do this uh, uh, when his mom picks up. She's like, "What? Why are you calling home? What What is this all about, Sunny Boy?" Mm-hmm. Uh, but he he wants to make sure that she's going to be home all day. Got got to confirm the schedule. Yeah. And the the rest of this episode is just father and son adventure, basically. Mm-hmm. And it all plays on this sort of dramatic irony where Josuke sees Joseph as this goofy inconvenience. Yeah. Where the viewer sees Joseph as like the shadow of like this two-time world-saving great hero. <laughs> yeah. Josuke was using the, the payphone and, and Joseph was waiting outside. And then eventually he just kind of wanders off on his own to go to the bus stop ahead mm-hmm. of time and Josuke's just like i told you know, you're supposed to stay right here and not cross the road on your own but okay uh and it's just like we're gonna stay here and we're gonna wait for the bus Josuke is trying to lay down the rules about how this interaction with uh their mom his mom is gonna go you know i don't want you to do this or that because it's gonna cause a whole lot of drama and i don't even really want to do this anyways and yeah, then he, once he's we're laying done, a lot a lot of boundaries yeah. including i'm only going to call you mr joestar yeah, we're we're basically until today we've basically been strangers, you know. We don't really have any of the the bonds required to be to consider each other father and son. And he also tells Joseph like, "Hey, after, you know, you see my mom, I want you to leave and go back home, and that'll be the end of this relationship." Mhm. And Joseph's like, "Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, yeah, I get it. Oh, that that's fair. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, we're, we're taking the bus. Okay, bye. I'm on the bus. Oh, no, it's the wrong bus. Oh, no, it's the wrong bus. It's going to take him like to an entirely different city. It was about to get in the highway. Maybe be more specific next time. He's not from here. He does not know the buses. Yeah. I don't think at this point Joseph has learned any more about Japan than he knew back in Stardust Crusaders. So we're waiting at the bus stop for the bus. Bus comes, I get on the bus. This is perfectly logical. Yeah. Come on, Josuke. So, yeah, Josuke's able to somehow catch up to this bus and, and get Joseph off before he just gets taken to the other side of Japan, basically. And he's freaking out because this burden of a man has has screwed up his whole day. And now that they got to, like, hitchhike back or who, who knows how, how they're going to yeah. uh, uh, get back on schedule. Meanwhile, sidewalk is haunted. Haunted sidewalk. Yep. There's an invisible force tugging on uh, Joseph's pants. And he's just like, what the fuck is this? And then he's yeah, just, just pulling at the, the hem of his, his pants cuffs. Yeah. And then his cane gets hit by something and gets knocked over. And he he hears like uh, a weird noise. And he just keeps telling uh, Josuke like, hey, I think there's a stand user here. And Joseph is, is being a little turd and going like, yes, yeah, the two of us. What, what about it? And and Joseph is like looking at the dirt to the side of the, the sidewalk and noticing tiny little baby handprints are forming on the dirt. Yeah. Like there's someone's stand is an invisible baby. Mm-hmm. And uh uh Josuke just says to himself, Yep, there's no way in hell I'm letting him see mom now. Yeah. This dude's a fucking freak. And and Joseph is just constantly going like, No, there's fucking something right there and 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 pointing at the ground. 
but whatever is forming the little baby handprints has crawled onto the sidewalk so joseph can't track it anymore uh and meanwhile the the hungriest most evil looking dog in jojo uh just <laughs> insane looks like a serial killer of all the dogs to not be harmed yeah it's this one uh but this dog is sniffing around and it smells whatever this invisible thing is and it lunges in to take a big bite out of it uh but joseph saves whatever this thing is by wrapping hermit purple around it still knows how to use a stand and he, he pulls it over into his hands and it's an invisible baby I mean, maybe it's an invisible baby, or maybe he became an expert mime in the last 11 <laughs> years. You can't count anything out with this guy. It's true. Yeah. What, what has he been doing since Star Crusaders? Mime? Miming? <laughs> <laughs> he had nowhere else left to go. Something big is going to be on the line, and then he's going to fill a glass full of scotch and be like, all right, you know the drill. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's like all of his stupid magic tri- tricks worked out pretty well in the Pillar Men. So it's, you know, if there's another like godly force locked somewhere deep on, underneath the earth, maybe mime mimicry, maybe mime shit mm-hmm, will fuck mm-hmm. him up. <laughs> you, you do the thing where you pretend that you're like stuck in a glass cube and then you act like you, you put it over top of the villain and they're like, fuck, I'm trapped. <laughs> <laughs> that would have worked on Wamu. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, it would. It would. <laughs> <laughs> oh man so anyway we we need to call up jotaro on the phone we need three men for this baby but instead it is just the two yep now josuke is convinced there is indeed an invisible baby a baby what which is invisible <laughs> in the hands of his father and josuke is just like okay is there a fucking stand user around that makes stuff invisible who makes a baby invisible and Joseph goes, no, no, I think this baby is the stand user. Mm-hmm. And it, it's so young, it doesn't know how to use its, its stand, and so it's just turning itself invisible on accident. Ba- baby got upset somehow, turned invisible, started wandering around the countryside? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, how, how long has this baby been crawling for, I wonder? This sidewalk is so far from everything there's no houses in the background this is a desolate plain this is this is just a sidewalk by an interstate out in the countryside like was the baby on the bus is is this baby in the middle of of, of a a mindy and buttons situation what what happened here baby just fell out a car window i don't know (laughs) but this baby is invisible this is invisible baby's day out Yeah. So they determine some things about this baby. This this is a little girl baby, and it's a little girl baby that did a poop. Yep. An invisible poop in the beloved hands of Joseph Joestar. Yeah. And it's uh this is this is no good. Quote, I had no idea she did it until I got a nose full of nasty. <laughs> yeah. And he's especially upset because he's been touching his his mustache and beard with his beloved hands. Yep, he's got. And he's beard. not sure if there's invisible poop in his beard or not. Mm-hmm. It's very bad. Ugh. So we we cut over back into Morio. We start this scene by like another restaurant or cafe, and mm-hmm. we see that there's two people sitting at a table. We can't really see the other person. That well. Yes, this conspicuously hidden person is meeting with their literary agent, I guess. Yeah. Because their manuscript is being returned with some notes from the publisher. Yeah. Will that be followed up on? Not in this episode. Not in this episode, but it's there. Because in the background, Josuke and, and Joseph are walking around trying to looking for a place to buy some diapers, some milk. 
and all this stuff. And they got this invisible baby wrapped up in like a teeny tiny little little blanket, but you know, it's just mm-hmm. a blanket. <laughs> it, it is a hollow blanket. Yeah. And they come upon a, a baby store, a store for, for baby-related goods. Family club. Family club with stuff for the whole family, it turns <laughs> out, but uh, I, I'm a few minutes out of myself. Joseph is going to go baby shopping to protect Josuke's image. Yeah. Josuke really doesn't want anyone to think he's knocked up a teenage girl. And this this is another thing where he feels believably teenage. Like, he, he is not a <laughs> schemer, so he doesn't even think of saying, like, oh, it's for a cousin or a family friend or, or you know, I'm buying a gift for, for someone who's expecting. Yeah. None of that. He just thinks he, he's so worried about looking cool and wanting to get away from this old guy he doesn't like very much. <laughs> that he says, no, you do it. Go. Yeah, I cannot be seen with a baby within my, my proximity. And <laughs> Joseph is just like, well, all I got are American dollars and travelers checks so i can't buy this shit and so josuke gives joseph his credit card which is i want a credit card that looks like this i want a jojo card hell you could go in together yeah all you gotta do is like take the baby out of the blanket if you're worried about a hollow blanket uh raising questions (laughs) yeah i'm sure it's warm inside it's fine yeah josuke or uh, joseph takes josuke's credit card and and goes in and this upcoming scene feels like this was written soon after Araki had a child. <laughs> yes, yes. Or had a very <laughs> bad experience shopping for a baby shower or something. Yeah, yeah. So Joseph goes into Family Club and uh, is and he greeted. he finds the tiniest shopkeeper. Yeah, very small man. Uh, apparently Koichi beat his ass or something, because that's where <laughs> we get tiny people. I don't know. yeah. And so Joseph's just like, hey, I need diapers. And so this guy goes, okay, follow me. Here's some diapers, and they're adult diapers. Yeah, yeah. I don't know what kind of... I've been to a few baby stores in my time. None of them sold incontinence supplies. Yeah, this, this is a one-stop... busted. Fuck this. This is a one-stop shop. This is a weird place to go. <laughs> but he's like, no, no, no. I need diapers for baby, not me. I'm a man, and... So we get a, basically an extended comedy scene where... where uh, over and over again, every time Joseph needs a simple thing, the the shop owner will, will lay out every single option they have and all of their yeah. pros and cons and not really provide advice on what's important or like best. He'll just yeah. leave all the options out until Joseph gets like frustrated and flustered and just like, okay, fine, one of everything. He, he does this yeah. for uh, clothes, for diapers, for for bottles and and bottle supplies yeah, and, and formula and, yeah ev- everything like this is not a, a uh, helpful customer service representative this is a talking catalog and i'm sick of it and i hate him <laughs> yeah he, he sucks also I should mention that when he's like describing all the different types of diapers there are one of the brands of diapers has stimpy on it <laughs> it's just stimpy so yeah, J- Joseph ends up buying a fuckload of stuff. He spends like something like over a hundred thousand yen, which is like even in nineties money, over a grand in U.S. dollars. I think. I don't know. Maybe I shouldn't be uh, uh, as <laughs> indulgent an uncle as I am, but that's not so much. Babies need a lot of stuff. Considering the amount he carries out, like per object, like mm, I've never spent a thousand dollars in in one go on baby stuff, but. 
I bet if I did spend $1,000 in one go on baby stuff, I'd be carrying out less bags than he does. Yeah, he comes out with a a mountain of stuff in a baby stroller. They they take the baby, they take all this crap they bought, and they go out to a little park bench Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. to get the baby dressed. And so now we got a baby in clothes... While Joseph is in there, though, uh, Joseph K's groupies go by, and he's very embarrassed to be seen outside the baby store that sells incontinence supplies. (laughs) That's right. And they are chatting about the radio caller from the very top of the episode. Oh, yeah. They they have opinions on uh, how to propose and how to ghost people. I always forget how much the radio show comes up in the background, both in conversations (laughs) and otherwise, and that's, that's a fun detail. But yeah, they're they're getting the the baby in clothes and stuff, and of course now we just have baby shaped moving clothes, but with no visible baby in it. Yes. And so they gotta yes. fix that, and so also at the baby slash incontinence store, you can buy makeup. <laughs> it's gear for the whole family. Like the name is accurate. Yeah, and so, so Joseph. <laughs> I don't think you're supposed to put a foundation on your baby. I don't think, yeah, that might not be great for them. So yeah, it's... We eventually get to eyeliner and lipstick, my God. (laughs) Joseph's very, like, he's having fun with this part. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Because, yeah, we got to be able to see the baby's face. So you put foundation and makeup on the baby so you can see his facial, facial features. And like, oh, it's a cute baby. Hooray. And they they say that now that we can see the baby's features by like you know painting it with makeup, and like oh boy this is th- this is heavy this is thick this is yeah that's that's not makeup that's a mask you're making yeah uh, but but they say that oh this will help us find you know the mother because now we know the baby looks like bullshit all babies look the same Th- there's basically three different ways your baby can look. Except your baby, which looks like a nightmare. It's just like a floating mask in the air. It's horrifying. <laughs> yeah. So like, yeah, because, the, you know, they, they got makeup on the baby, but when it opens, you know, its eyes are open or its mouth is open, you just see straight through it because you can't put yes. makeup on those parts. And so Joseph is just like, okay, well, uh, we can't have people seeing straight through your skull. So let's just put some big sunglasses on your face. There you go. <laughs> This baby looks like a, a freakish porcelain mask floating in midair above baby clothes. It's bad. It's very <laughs> bad. And then the baby explodes. <laughs> yeah, they, Joseph picks up the baby and says, like, there we go. You know, this is this is turning out pretty okay. Oh, wait a minute. The, the makeup doesn't seem to be staying on. And yeah, the baby blows up and turns invisible. And so do Joseph's hands. When I say the baby explodes, I mean, like, there is a flash of, of uh, lighting effects. And so the, the clothes which had begun to fade into invisibility are now entirely just as, as transparent as the air around them. And yes, yeah. so are Joseph's hands. Everything within a certain radius of the baby is equally invisible. Yeah. And, and Josuke is just like, yo, you got to put that baby down. You're going to turn invisible, Grant, you know, dad. No, he, he does not give a, a mindful warning to set the baby down. He says, quote, Mr. Joestar, drop the baby. <laughs> right, right. Let go of it, damn it. And, and so Joseph sets the baby down in the stroller. Josuke is a bad babysitter. Do not pay yeah, him. Do not let him watch your baby. If you pay Josuke to babysit your kid he would just like wait 10 minutes until the parents are definitely gone and then he would just like turn the tv on give the kids the n64 and say like okay see you later and just like leave and then he'd show up 10 minutes before the parents arrive and punch the baby but with a special (laughs) good punch (laughs) yeah yeah 
fix him up real good. Yeah, just tell the you know maybe some kids would like Josuke as a babysitter because he just tells them to go ape shit and break whatever they want because he could just fix it later. <laughs> hey, you want to jump off the roof? Cool, do it five times. Right. I don't give a fuck. You want to do backyard wrestling? Works good for me. With knives? Yeah. Look, just as long as you don't destroy the brain, I can fix this. <laughs> don't do anything that instantly kills you. <laughs> So yeah, the, the baby's been set in the stroller. Which has begun to disappear. Like, yeah. uh, in, in the same way that, like, the, the orb of vanilla ice and, and cream uh, just made holes in the world, just chunks mm-hmm. missing, it looks like that happened to the stroller. Except it does not collapse in a heap because those parts are still there, just invisible. Yeah, so it's it, you're just seeing random parts kind of just floating in midair which looks pretty cool and must have been a bitch to draw yeah uh, like the handles the wheels the, the the extremities of the of the stroller as they're like oh shit even more stuff's becoming invisible some asshole on a bike uh rides by who's smoking a cigarette and he goes and he looks at this weird half invisible baby stroller and thinks what's that pile of junk i don't know and he flicks his still lit cigarette <laughs> towards it at a baby! At a baby! Like, he doesn't know, but he does. He does do that. And yeah, and so Joseph sees this happening. He he dives to uh, deflect the cigarette from hitting the baby, but in doing so, just barely jostles the, the stroller enough that it starts careening down an incredibly steep hill. Which frightens the baby, which makes its uh, a stand ability go go even you know higher into overdrive. So the the uh, stroller is completely disappeared, and then a widening bubble of everything down this hill disappears. So you're seeing like uh, chunks carved out of trees or a huge trough gouged into the ground. And again, that dirt is still there. Like Josuke walks on it. But you're seeing beneath the invisible ground, yeah. so it is as if the ground is missing. Yeah, it looks cool. It looks really, it's a very good effect. But, you know, they, they can no longer see the stroller, but they can hear the baby cr- uh, crying and going down this hill. And then they hear the stroller crash, and they're like, oh, shit. And then they hear the baby splash into water, into a river. Mm-hmm, <laughs> and they mm-hmm. go, oh, shit. Again, like I said at the top of, of uh, episode 13, that, that sort of dramatic irony is coming in in a big way because we are seeing Joseph as a familiar guy doing his best on a bad day. Like, we always trust Joseph to have it, to have an ace up his sleeve. He's going to make this right. Just give him a chance. Mm-hmm. While Joseph K sees a bumbling old fool who may have just killed a baby. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. He may have just murdered a baby outright through yep. negligence. So uh, they they get to the to this river. Joseph really wants to help, and Josuke is so frustrated with his his this old man, and he just tells mm-hmm, him mm-hmm. to just fucking stay out of this. I'll fix it. You are just constantly making things worse, uh, which you can tell hits Joseph hard. Like it, mm-hmm, it hurts. Mm-hmm. So Josuke dives in. He's, he's going to do this solo, find the invisible thing in the clear water. So he's just like standing in the middle of this body of water, just swinging his arms around, hoping to, to brush against something squishy and baby shaped. And it's not working. He is not covering a very large you know, percentage yeah. of the available space. Joseph uh, gets into the river and he tells Josuke like, hey, you know, please make sure to tell your mother that I said hello. You know, I, I've lived a long life, but I've got to do this to 
try and save this baby. And he pulls out a, a pocket knife and he slits his wrist to, to have his blood add color to this river. Didn't even think of using Hermit Purple, did you? Either as like a way to find the baby mm. or just like sending vines out, like much like Josuke's arms, but with much greater reach. Didn't, didn't even cross your mind, huh? Right. Huh? No, yeah, straight to the the slitting the wrist thing. The the blood, his blood flows into the river, and you know eventually you see a uh, where the blood is. There's a part where the blood is kind of almost like curving around a spherical object, which is where the baby is. And so, not that the blood isn't there, but that the blood becomes transparent right there. Yeah, the baby is lifted out of the water, almost like it is. Uh, the way it's lifted out of the water in in Crazy Diamond's hands almost makes the baby appear as if it's a holy figure or something. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> it is a, a lofted toward heaven like Renaissance art. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> but how you read this this scene and Joseph's act uh, rests entirely on uh, whether you think he knows about Crazy Diamond's ability or not. Mm-hmm. Totally different takes depending on what he knows about Josuke's abilities. Yeah. You know, the, the baby is saved and Josuke is like in shock that his, mm-hmm. this old man was willing to, you know, go this far to save a baby or, or a person that he never knew or met until just a few hours ago. And this really impresses him. This this selfless act of, of heroism, not only at personal cost, perhaps at the cost of his own life. It's like, yeah, okay, you just might be a guy I want to get to know. And as Joseph drifts toward unconsciousness, he, he looks up at his son, uh, like cradling him in his arms and says, I just wanted to look cool. Did it work? <laughs> yeah, I just wanted to look cool for you. Which is, that's great. Uh, so so we get our second title card of the episode earlier around the midpoint. It was a, a crazy diamond, and now it is Hermit Purple. They mm-hmm. they are uh, joined sort of metatextually as well. Uh, uh, and now we see elderly Joseph, uh, his, you know, character design silhouette for, for the first time in this venue, at least. Uh, and we get a little ending button on this episode, too. It's nighttime at the at Josuke's house. He's changing clothes. He's taking off his uniform for the first time ever yeah. on camera. Yeah. The first Which time means it's see... also our first look at his uh, his Joestar birthmark. Oh, right. Yeah. they should, You see that in this scene. I like that. But yeah. As he's, you know, changing clothes and stuff, he, he notices that, you know, in his pocket, his credit card and the receipt from Family Club are there, and he unravels the incredibly long receipt mm-hmm, to see mm-hmm. that his his dad just spent over a thousand dollars of his money, and he he shouts to the heavens as we the camera cuts on the the final shot where we see that Jotaro and Joseph and the invisible baby are all hanging out in another room. I guess they adopted that baby. That that baby is fifth JoJo. <laughs> yeah, and that is the the end of the episode. Uh, I want to bring up real quickly, I like that uh, the music, like the triumphant music that's playing as Josuke realizes that, hey, maybe my dad is somebody worth knowing, right? The end there. That's the same music that plays in the very final scene of Stardust Crusaders. Oh, oh, oh. Yeah. The the, the triumphant music that plays when Joseph and uh, Jotaro are, are, are flying back home. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, that is the end of episode 13. And we are now exactly one third of the way through Diamond is Unbreakable. Yeah, because next week we'll we'll have a guest on to talk about this first third. Um, part four is also a little different in that 
there is like a main central antagonist, but we've still yet to meet them. Mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. the the show spends a lot of time like winding up to that. I mean, I gotta guess it's Handman. Yeah, like, Handman. Handman uh, is the very opening thing of the first episode. Handman uh, uh, reasserts himself once you get rid of uh, uh, Chili Pepper and mm. the whole. Uh, I mean, the the arrow is gone. The the arrow is off the table. Yeah. So between that ending and Joseph re-entering the narrative for the third time. This is a big uh, turning point, and having having those things placed together at the exact one third point is, I mean, it, it's textbook pacing, I guess. Yeah, yeah, I like these two episodes back to back as being kind of a, you know, like the the main thrust of it really is the relationship between Josuke and Joseph, which I like. Mm-hmm. I also enjoy the use of Joseph in this part because it feels very different from you know the previous two that he was heavily featured in. I'm curious what you think of Chili Pepper Part 1 now that, now that you've seen Part 2 as well. The the thing that I asked for at the end of last week's episode, yeah. I did get not not directly, not word for word. I think the part of it that I would have really appreciated is some something about Josuke saying that he appreciates Koichi being there for Okiyasu when, you know, he is emotionally unavailable for other reasons. Yeah. I think that would have been a very powerful moment that uh, uh, in... <laughs> <laughs> In part 4.44, uh, uh, my version, uh, that, that's going to be in there. Oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think the, the first third of Diamond Breakable is, is pretty solid. Mm-hmm, it's, mm-hmm. it's pretty good. I feel like, especially when you look at like the same stretch of episodes for like Stardust Crusaders, I feel like in the same amount of time, part four manages to cover more stuff, more ground in the same amount of time. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. The hanged man really would be the the parallel point, even if it, it you know it's not in you know minutes of animation, but as, as the turning point. Yeah, we, we've had a very different and more cohesive journey through thirteen episodes than than say Stardust Crusader did in eleven, which yeah. is uh, Hanged Man Part Two. Empress Episode Twelve kind of would be a match because like. Uh, it's the comedy one about Joseph after the big turning point. <laughs> yeah, I guess there is something similar between three and four there, huh? Also, both comedy episodes that are like kind of concerned and worried about getting old. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. But when Stardust Crusaders assembles a cast, it assembles a cast and then they, they go on their way. Whereas Diamond is Unbreakable does so much to develop the cast. Like we yeah. don't just fight Okiyasu and then he's like, hmm, you're cool guys, I'm with you. <laughs> we have a three-part episode where Okiyasu has to deal with uh, uh, coming to accept what he's known in his heart, that his brother is not a very good guy at the end of the day, yeah. despite how much he loves him. Yeah. I guess with Okiyasu, we also kind of get a kind of a similar closure to his story in the same way we get with Polnareff and and Hanged Man, because he's mm-hmm, he's mm-hmm. kind of Okiyasu's gotten his his revenge, although with a lot less murder <laughs> involved. He just threw the guy <laughs> yeah, in jail. No one, like aside from whatever's happening to these women missing their hands, but no one has died since Keicho. Yeah, no one's died. Yeah. Some people have definitely gotten hurt very badly, but yeah, yeah no one's died. People have fucked up, but no one has died since Keicho. Wow, I'm so used to people just getting so fucked up in JoJo that in my mind I thought people still had died. 
Yeah, I guess that is kind of something a little different tonally with part four, too. There's just a lot less people dying overall, I guess. I mean, there's still some episodes where mm-hmm, people mm-hmm. have their, their dog's face bitten off and then spat into their face and then their head gets exploded. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh yeah. I mean, when Angelo was still around, it was st- it was still a very death-heavy part, but that's only two episodes ever since yeah, then. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm really excited for uh, the next third when we uh, start off with episode 14 in two weeks that two-parter real excited for that one that one's got a real fun mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. everything in it characters uh really fun stand power that if you think about it even slightly too much you realize this person might just be god <laughs> <laughs> oh don't worry thinking too much has, has never been a problem for for these heroes uh <laughs> Just for comparison, uh, while while we are comparing parts, 13 episodes is obviously longer than part one ever got. Mm -hmm. And uh, in in battle tendency, that that would bring us to the the episode that ends with Lisa Lisa's death and uh, cars becoming supercars. (laughs) Supercars. It's still very fun to to just randomly think about the ending of part two and the part where the Nazis get devoured by an evil squirrel. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I love that part. Squirrel incoming. Uh, but yeah, I think that's it from me until we uh, get to the recap next week. Very, very excited for, for that one to come uh, at people. I'm looking forward to it. I have a lot to... I have, I have things to say. I've been uh, uh, squirreling them away in a little hole to, mm. to, to spring on everybody. So I'm, I'm excited for that. Cool, cool. And if you've been enjoying this, and I'm sure you have, uh, please tell somebody about it. Uh, we've got... <laughs> Why not brighten some of these uh, dis- midwinter December days by uh, uh, sharing the, the joy of JoJo, the, the least deadly season of JoJo's Bizarre Adventure. <laughs> Merry Christmas. <laughs> we had a dog and nothing happened to that dog. dog it tried to eat a baby a little bit, but it was fine. <laughs> and we had a dog last week that while it exploded, it was fine. It made it better. It made its tummy. It gave the puppy a happy tummy. <laughs> Happy enough, you could scratch it, and it'd be, like curl up next to you and be like, "Yeah, it's it's just that easy. Just blow up a dog, and it'll be fine." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that that also is uh, what happens when Josuke dog sits for people. Does a Rocky know that he's always focusing on maiming dogs for when? Like, oh, he's gotta know. He's gotta he's know. He's gotta right? know. Like, it's just a thing. Like, okay, well, here's the time the dog explodes. Here's here's the time the dog gets its face bitten off. God damn. Yeah, that's really the last time a dog was permanently harmed. Yeah. I mean, so far. It'll happen again, I'm sure. But <laughs> boy, is it got it's a contender for one of the worst. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That one's just so bad because it's also insult to injury with spitting the dog blood into the owner's mouth. Like And that's why I always pick up after Moki. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's just an Angelo just in the bushes somewhere. In the back of my mind, like, mm, 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 mm. not today. <laughs> not not going to get me today. <laughs> All right, everybody. To be continued. Later, everybody. Later.